Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. We are back for uh, week two of our sermon series called Hope Happens Here. If you're listening to us via our podcast, thank you for joining us And we pray that this message will help you take your next step closer to Christ. Amen? Amen. Well, perhaps our need for hope does not stem from being tired and weary and fatigued. Perhaps our need for hope actually comes from a sense of brokenness. Maybe from choices we've made. Maybe from choices that other people have made and either way we're still broken do you know what i'm talking about somebody did you wrong and you're broken you did something you're embarrassed about or you regret and you're broken and there's no way to undo it there's a an old japanese art for what's called kintsuji And kintsuji is the idea of taking pottery that's broken and they use a a sap from a tree and it's turned into a lacquer and they use it to really be an adhesive to put the pottery pieces back together. And then they put a gold dust or some kind of precious metal, primarily gold, and they highlight the seams of the cracks. And as a matter of fact, that piece of pottery that has now that was broken, that, that is now put back together, it is now unique. In many ways, it's worth more value than before when it was whole. It now has all the scars of being broken. And yet, when it's seen in its splendor and its glory with all the remnants of the broken, It's valued as precious art. It's given a second chance at life again. It's pretty special. And we too, kind of like pottery, are fragile. There's things in our life that we don't like, but guess what? Those places that break, and it didn't take much to get broken. The choices we make matter. Our decisions have consequences, as it does for other people as well. When we have, we have all at times have made poor choices that we regret. Um, Do you know what I'm talking about? Am I the only one? We've all made mistakes and have fallen into sin. Scripture says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. When this happens, it can often feel like we have found ourselves in a position and in a place that we didn't want to be. So, we're fragile, just like a piece of pottery. And we find ourselves in a place where we feel suffocated. We feel like we're trapped that we didn't want this to be. And all of a sudden, we don't know what to do. 
it's full of chaos, and we don't know what's going on. But because of those choices, because of those things, before we know it, our life is broken. And sometimes those around us, their lives get broken because of choices we made. And now comes guilt. Now comes shame. Can it ever be fixed? Sometimes during that brokenness, we feel abandoned. We, we feel judged by our own family, by our own friends, by church. Brokenness can lie to us. We feel sometimes that even God has abandoned us. See, but when my sin is exposed, when, when my life has been exposed and I feel completely broken, it causes all sorts of crazy emotions to just start swirling around inside of me. I feel shame. I feel guilt. I, I feel anger. I feel chaos. I feel fear. But this doesn't have to be the end of my story. It's not the end of your story. See, there's a story about a woman in the Bible that we're going to look at in John chapter 8. And she knows brokenness. And she knows the need of being restored. You know, the story goes this way, where Jesus is, his attention's drawn away because he's gathered together, he's there at the temple, and while he's at the temple, a mob of religious leaders, church folk, got it? And, and the ones in charge, they all come together and they're dragging a woman, and most likely not covered up real great. And they drag her to Jesus. So let's pick up on that verse. Let's look at John chapter 8. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. Wow. They put her in front of the crowd. Are you starting to feel a little brokenness in this story? Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say, Jesus? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. See, the woman in this story was brought before everyone and before Jesus with the accusation that she had been caught in the activity of adultery. Red-handed. She was cheating on her husband with another man. And he apprehended her in the middle of the act. I don't know about you, but can you imagine how humiliating and how embarrassing that would be? She must have been fully 
aware of the consequences of this sin. She's Jewish. According to Mosaic law, it would be stoned to death. Her life in a moment, in a moment, is completely broken. It's shattered. A broken marriage, a broken family, a broken reputation, a broken woman fearing death, pure brokenness. This is her rock bottom. So let me take a little sidestep here. I got a couple questions that I, or thoughts, I'd like to bring up to the religious leaders and the Pharisees in this situation. Number one, how did you know to be at a certain place at a certain time that you would catch them doing whatever they were doing? That sounds like somebody was conspiring. That wasn't accidental. Number two, I'm just wondering, doesn't it take two to tango? Where's the man? See, when, when there's something that's conspiring, that which is corrupt, it lacks integrity, consistency. It's corrupt. And it's going to fall apart because it's based on a foundation of corruption. So, here we are. I want us to look at this thing called brokenness. Let's have a few thoughts about brokenness. Number one, we have all experienced brokenness if we're outside of being a kid. What is most shocking about this story is that the woman seems to have been used as a pawn by the religious leaders to trap Jesus. It had nothing to do with her. It had everything to do with Jesus, who was at the temple teaching the Word of God. Wow. So she's being exploited right in front of her whole community in order to harm Jesus. Can you imagine that fear, that guilt again, that shame from her sin? Now, I don't know this because the scripture is silent, but you got to ask a question. If they knew exactly when and where to go and to be, and they don't bring the man, it kind of has all the indicators of some kind of a planned scenario. And did they find a woman who was poor, needing to feed her children, and use her as a scapegoat? I don't know. But I'm saying something is not adding up. It's just not. So here she was. She was caught in adultery. She's thrown at the feet of Jesus. She must have lost her hope. Convinced that her fate was going to be stoned to death right there. And yet Jesus intervenes. And offers grace and mercy. Grace is getting something you did not earn and you don't deserve it. And mercy is not getting what you deserve and what you really earned. And God offers both grace and mercy. So here we pick up in verse 6 through 9, same chapter. They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. 
But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again. All right. But let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest. Now only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. You know, there are some scholars who believe that what Jesus was probably doing, and it's just speculations, okay, that he got down on his knee and he was, he was writing with his finger. He's writing the names of all of the Pharisees and the Sadducees there. And then when he went back down again, he's now writing the names of all the mistresses. And they start, whoa, is he going to start drawing a line and connecting the dots? I like it when the Lord kind of leaves something out. There's something there. It was so powerful, whatever he was writing there, that it brought conviction on the hearts of all those making accusation on the woman. So rather than agreeing to this woman's death, he does something different. I said, Jesus did something different. And he doesn't get rid of the law. He doesn't ignore the law. He just does something different. You know, there's times in my life when I know God should have just got that baseball bat and hit me upside the head. Hello? And you would say, I would have deserved that, Lord. But he did something different. He offered grace. He offered mercy. He changed the direction of how the boat was going in a nanosecond without sacrificing the Mosaic law. Wow. Here's another one. The church is a place of hope for the broken. Now, I know there's places in some churches, and they're not, and we pray for them. God redeem that. God restore that. But that's what the body of Christ, that's what the church is supposed to be. It's a place of restoration. It's a place where people can come and find hope and find understanding and also find that conviction, that holding of a, that standard that you can be better and you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. It's a place of hope. You know, we receive hope in the midst of our brokenness when we acknowledge that we have all fallen short. You know, back when I was in Iowa, there was a couple, and uh, I think they were early 30s, and she got pregnant, and she didn't do it alone. And they came before the elders and myself. And they said, this is our sin. They came to me first and I said, do you want to go before the elders and share what happened? And they said, yeah. And each one of us said, we want you to know something. I said, my name is Marvin Telemontes. I'm saved by grace and I'm a sinner. And I go, and I've got a story I could tell. And each elder did the same. 
And we said, the scripture says to confess your sins one to another. So we've confessed our sin. And I said, is there anything you want to confess? With tears coming down their eyes. They said, yes. I go, we'll pray for you if you'll pray for us. Do you see how church brings hope? We loved on them. We all cried, went through a whole box of Kleenex between us all. Because we knew what God could do because of our act of obedience. Not the act of, you sinner. That's not how God works. So all of a sudden, Jesus makes a simple point. You, without sin, throw the first stone. That's the stipulation. And starting with the oldest, one by one, they walked away. So now what's left is just the crowd. And in the circle of the crowd is Jesus and the woman. Now we're at John 8, verse 10 and 11. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your, where are your accusers? And she says, and Jesus said, didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Now, look how he finishes the last part. He's offering grace and mercy, but now he throws accountability on. He says, go and sin no more. It was wrong what she did. Don't do it anymore. Why? Because it causes brokenness in your life. I don't want anything to separate me from you and you from me. Get rid of that thing so we can be close again, child. I just can imagine Jesus looking at this woman with this incredible compassion and love and warmth. For the first time in this woman's brokenness, she must have felt hope. Jesus is the only one in the story who does not condemn her. He's the only one who does not want to punish her for her wrongdoing. He offers grace. He offers mercy. See, the truest thing about God is that He loves you. He loves you in spite of you. If God knew me, He wouldn't want anything to do with me. No. He really knows you. And in spite of you, He still loves you. You see, when these men expose this woman's sin to shame her and to trap Jesus, Jesus exposes sin on them without doing it the way they did it. But when Jesus exposes sin, He doesn't do it to condemn. He does it to do what? To restore. To bring health. To bring hope. To bring a brand new beginning. You see, Jesus wants to take all the broken pieces 
And then put them all back together. You see, this now, it's unique. It scars from the brokenness make a unique story. You know the pain, the suffering, those things that you wish would have never happened? Things in my life I wish had never happened? God says that's part of your unique story that can help somebody else. Because no matter how many times you break that plate, you break a life, it's not the same as Karen's, as Bev's. You see what I'm saying? It's never going to look the same. But it's beautiful. There's only one of these. There's only one of these. There's only one of these. And God says, I want to use that story. Don't be embarrassed of it. Embrace it with passion. Be proud of it because of the king. And allow God to persevere in and through you for the sake of the kingdom. There's another thing about brokenness. God puts all those broken pieces back together. If you find yourself broken, if you feel like you're surrounded by people who just want to throw stones at you, they just want to judge you, then I'm glad you're here today. Because that's not what this place is about. And if you're here and you want to be that kind of person, you have just broken the biggest rule. Because we write in invisible ink, no perfect people allowed. And so you can take your arrogance and your pride and your perfection and leave. Why? Because God uses imperfect people. Jesus wants to meet you right where you're at. But you have a choice to make. You can make a choice to make no changes at all and continue doing exactly what you're doing and your current trajectory will be assured. And everybody say amen. Or you can make a different decision. And you can reach out to God. You can confess your sin before God. Just be honest about it and receive His forgiveness and begin to walk in new life. You see, when we confess our sin and believe in Christ, we're found in Christ and now we're made as new creations in Christ. Do you get it? This is new. This is new. It's not broken. It's new. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. We're almost done here. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become, say it with me, church, a new person. The old life is gone. Now say it with me. A new life has begun. We're made new. The old ways of living become things of the past. And God does something new in us. 
Our value system begins to change. When I used to like this when I was in the world, all of a sudden I'm like, you know what, I don't want any part of that. I'm not interested in that. And all of a sudden the things that I didn't like before, all of a sudden I'm like, man, this is great. And before you know it, your core values, those things that you desire, they become the same things that are of the Father because the heartbeat of the enemy, my soul, no longer wants a place in my life and I want the heartbeat of the Father. And before you know it, people are going to look you right in the eye and say, I see your Father's eyes. I see your Father's eyes in you. You look just like your dad. I like the way you smile. That reminds me of your dad. Wow. Come, Jesus. Have your will. Have your way in me. All for the sake of the kingdom. I want to close with this video. and Would you watch this with me as the Lord sees me just as I am. Watch this with me. A little technical difficulty. This video is really great. It talks about how I'm right here. I'm broken. I think there's no other place. And really you watch this progression of somebody going from here lost, confused, all the way to victory and restoration. God's goodness. You see, that's hope. But you got to believe that God can take you from there. When you feel like you're not at the lowest level, that you, you got to keep digging and digging and digging in a pit and say, okay, finally, that's a thousand feet deep. Now you can put me there. That's where I'm at. Anybody been there? And you think God is no longer around? See, but this is what hope does. Hope says, check this out. Here's a rope. Can you tie a knot on that? All right, get on. And then he pulls you out of the pit. And then he doesn't just bring you here. Now he lifts you up on high. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Father, I pray for your people today. Lord, I sense for a lot of folks there's been seasons in the past that they wish they would have heard this message. And then there's some that are right in the thick of it all. They feel like they really are in the, the bottom of the pit. They don't see life, they see death. They don't see hope. They're beyond discouragement. So Lord, I pray today, I pray today that you would breathe on them and let them know, I will never leave you or forsake you, child. I'm there. Just like that little poem of footprints. When you thought I wasn't there, I was actually carrying you. So Lord, for those who are really struggling, and they're so sophisticated, nobody can see it. Would you touch them? Would you lift them up? Would you throw them a rope and say, I'll pull you out? 
and give them hope again. Give them hope again that they could find faith, that they could actually say Philippians 4.13, that I can do all things through Christ because I know I can't do it on my own who strengthens me. If you're here and you're saying, I've been broken. I, I want the Holy Spirit to do kintsuki on my life and put the pieces back together and make it a beautiful piece of art that gets a do-over, gets a second chance. That's going to be a unique story with all of its scars. That's you. To raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Amen. 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 Father, I just pray for each and every person. And even for the few that they're still hurting so bad, they don't even know if they can raise their hand. Would you breathe on them? So Lord, I pray hope. I pray grace and mercy. I pray new beginning and newness today. Restore the marriage. Restore and build the family. Provide a career, not a job. Lord, kindle a dream. Make them chase that dream because dreams will not chase us. But with you, you can make all dreams come to pass if they're God-breathed. Bless your people. Lord, bless our fellowship with tacos. Help us to lean on you as we thank you for all of your goodness and your grace. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.